ordinary people empowered by the Spirit to witness to the Lord Jesus. This is the Acts of the Apostles. For more information, go to carolinesprings.church. Thank you for a kindly welcome and all of the preparations as we uh, gather, particularly for thinking of Jordan today and in the context of being the people of God and continuing your readings through the Acts of the Apostles. I understand you're going to be reading all the way to Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know, I don't know why it's not been made into a movie. It just sort of rocks along, doesn't it? <laughs> Every chapter is just full of incredible stories and uh, the works of God in people's lives, ordinary people's lives, just drawn in to God's great salvation story. It's just the most amazing uh, story. And, and really the point of the gospel there today, the threshold moment that we're hearing today in Acts 10 you know, it crosses the threshold where the, initially the people thought that this uh, that news, the good news that had happened in Jesus was for the Jewish community, and you see Peter thinking about that, but it's really, it breaks it open to the whole of humankind. And so we can actually draw the connection between this moment that we just listened to in the Gospels and us here, you know, from... Uh, there in Joppa, AD 30, 40, something like that, through to us in Caroline Springs, 2016, and the crossing of all the thresholds and all of the boundaries, and it being clear that God is reaching out to the whole of humanity without exception, that God, as Peter says there in response to Cornelius, this faithful Roman centurion, God has no favourites. God shows no, 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 no particularity, no partiality. God is reaching out to everyone and wants everyone to be drawn into communion with God and with one another. The God who is the creator of the stars beyond Saturn wants that this beautiful universe of God's creation and the whole human family be gathered together and flourish and blossom and everybody make that choice. God gives us this exquisite freedom to choose when, if, how we're going to respond to God's offer of salvation to us. God moves us in God's humility, God's beautiful, humble love. This the creator of the of the world beyond worlds, of a universe, the end of which we're still to find. This creator of every one of us and all of our uniqueness, who makes, makes these promises to the whole of humanity and at the same time makes them so exquisitely personal to each of us, wants everyone to freely choose. And God and God's humble love leaves us utterly free to choose if, when, and how we're going to respond to this offer, this offer of salvation to be healed and made whole. It is, and so today we have this wonderful person, Peter, who the longer we look at the story, the more we love him. You know, just remembering back, he's down there fishing, like his father and grandfather before him, fishing away, fishing away. 
this guy appears who has such a presence about him, Jesus, and says, follow me. And he spontaneously, he follows. He leaves what he's been doing and because of the magnetism of the person he meets, he follows. He says yes. His yes is spontaneous. Later on, he's to think, not sure that was my best decision. He comes upon some really complicated times. He follows this Jesus. He sees this beautiful healing taking place. He sees people, poor people, vulnerable people, uplifted by the words that Jesus speaks. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. He sees this person in whom word and deed are complete symmetry. He sees the way in which just people, vulnerable people, flock to him because they're so in yearning for good news in their lives. And then he has to deal with the fact that mysteriously, perversely, for no apparent reason, this same person attracts all this hostility, all of this, all of this vengeance, all of this desire to get rid of him. And that the passion that leads to the cross... And Peter himself, you know, faces the fact that at a critical moment, at a threshold moment, he denies this Jesus. Three times he denies him. And we see three appear a number of times in this text we've just listened to. Three times Peter denies Jesus. And so then the journey, and then it gets to the resurrection. And after the resurrection, Peter's gone back fishing out on the lake. He's hearing all these stories about the appearance of Jesus raised from the dead, goes back out doing what he started doing, a bit of fishing, give himself a bit of space to think about it. And then Jesus appears on the shore, cooking breakfast, the smell of a barbecue, draws him to him again and says to him, Three times, Peter, do you love me? So the three-time betrayal becomes the three-time question. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Yes. It's all in John chapter 20, 21. Peter is reconciled with Jesus. Jesus offers him forgiveness. Jesus takes the, gives him space. It's such a wonderful model for us whenever we're looking to make reconciliation with people. Jesus gives him space gives him space to think about things and then at the right time takes the initiative to offer reconciliation come and have breakfast simple thing nice and easy thing for someone to respond to and then reconciliation having taken place yes lord you know i love you threefold not raising the question of the betrayal but just offering the way forward he says to him gives him something to do which is the next and the best thing to do once we've reached some kind of better relationship with people, find something good to do together. Feed my sheep. And we see, so we see Peter reconciled to the Lord and then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which Jesus had promised, comes upon him, the time we call Pentecost. And we see this person, ordinary bloke, fishing like his parents and grandparents before him, transformed into the leader of the early church and so that's what we see in those early chapters of Acts coming up to this point where Peter is there and he goes up on the on the roof and he's um, gets a bit hungry people go to make him a bit of food give him a bit of tucker and he has this dream he has this he goes into this 
into this space and he gets this extraordinary vision. I send a picture of it through, which you know, if we just, I'll just do a drum roll and the picture will come up. <laughs> That's by a 16th century artist who painted that vision that Peter had. There he is. And that sheet that comes down from heaven, which has got all these animals in it, animals that, as Peter, Peter's trying to, you know, like there's this new, new person, new thing that's happened in Jesus, and yet he's still trying to hold on to the traditions he's always honoured of his Jewish community, which include the traditions of what you eat and what you don't eat. And then he gets this vision that tells him to eat things that his whole tradition of Jewish law says you don't eat. Three times it appears. Three times he says, again he says, no, no, no. <laughs> but there, there is this insistence. He gets it. <laughs> I meant to say yes to this. And in the beautiful way of God's Holy Spirit is always out ahead, creating the opportunities for us, just as he gets it, arrived these folk from Cornelius's household. And so we've got this symmetry, these two stories come together. You know, which is when we try to, you know, if the whole of humanity was attuned to the Holy Spirit, oh, can you imagine how wonderful the universe would be? That is God's plan. So here we see, and in this through Acts, we see these moments where there is that symmetry. So there's this fellow Cornelius, a Roman centurion, not of the Jewish faith, but a person, a good person, a prayerful person. And God uses his prayerfulness and his, his good spirit and he gives him a, a vision. An angel comes to him and says, send some folk down to Joppa and get the, go and find this fellow Simon called Peter and tell him to come here. And so as Peter's pondering What's taken, what's, what is to make of all of this? These folk arrive right on time, bang on the door. Come on, come up. And the beautiful thing about Peter, which is such a lesson for all of us, is, you know, what God can do when people are obedient, what God can do when people are faithful, when they just say yes. So Peter doesn't hesitate. Okay, you know, he's, he's crossed one threshold after another. Here's just another one. He's getting used to the way it goes. He's getting used to living in the Holy Spirit. He's getting used to the fact that this is God's divine plan which is unfolding through history. And the last thing he wants to do is get in the way of it. So off he goes to meet up with Cornelius. And then we have that beautiful connection that takes place between them. And the Holy Spirit blesses their occasion, descends upon them so powerfully. And, uh, and Peter's across the threshold and he suddenly realises this gospel is for the whole of humanity, for everyone, in time and beyond time. And that's the connection to us. It's, it's wonderful, isn't it? It's just wonderful. And it's the same Holy Spirit that we pray that Jordan is strengthened in today. So there's that, that symmetry between that moment we're reading of and Jordan attentive and open and we're going to watch him on the DVD in a minute doing his, doing his giving his answers. 
I imagine it'll be a bit self-conscious for Jordan. So make sure when the DVD finishes, you give it a big clap. (laughs) But that's the same spirit descending upon him. So what's the takeout from this? There's lots. But let me just say just a couple of things. First is, around the fact that God is always reaching out to us, that takes place in all sorts of different ways. Let me just name four ways in which you may or I may experience God reaching out to us. One way is like in this story where there's this really direct spiritual intensity, a really direct vision or dream, a moment when God just is so real, spiritually so vivid. That's Abraham getting his call That's these stories in Acts of the Apostles through the scriptures. It's the story of the church. As as Jimmy was saying before, it's the story of Saul becoming Paul on the road up to Damascus. He meets the raised Jesus who says to him, follow me, why are you persecuting me? His life is transformed. I'm wearing a cross of... Francis of Assisi, he was sitting in a knocked-about church out the back of Florence and he heard the Lord Jesus say to him, Francis, rebuild my church. So he started to do that physically and spiritually as a person of, of humility and poverty and he became a great leader of the church. There was a, a woman the other day whose confirmation I took out at Greensboro She was driving past the church. She saw this beautiful rainbow over the top of the church. She was compelled in in her inner being to go inside the church. just happened that the mighty vicar, Dave Fuller, was there at the door and he was full of warmth and radiance and greeted her beautifully. And there was that symmetry between the rainbow and his greeting and she was thus into the church and into the faith. So that's one way that, and you may have had such vivid moments. A second way that God can reach out to us is obviously through God's word. Augustine opened the Bible, kaboom, that was it. What he read as he just opened the Bible changed his life. A young person called Anthony from Alexandria arrived late to church one day in 434 AD, which is a few Sundays back. (laughs) Heard the last bit of the gospel. So what you have, it's the gospel we had last Sunday, and follow me. He went off, he felt that word and spirit intersect. He went He became the founder of the whole tradition of deep prayer, of the desert tradition of desert mothers and fathers, beautiful tradition that that nurtures us today, St. Anthony of the Desert. There was a person a couple of Sundays back down at a parish in Geelong who was wanting to take some special vows for a life of deep prayer. Why? On a Sunday this past January, she was in church. She heard, a, heard a, a reading that she knew and had heard many times. This particular time, word and spirit intersected. She knew that word was for her. So she now lives from that word and has transformed her life. 
So sometimes it's the word, just the hearing of the word and the intersection with the Holy Spirit, kaboom, we know this is for us. A third way God reaches out to us is through relationships, just through the quality of other faithful people. I did a, a study a few years back on how, how people end up in the church and, and what came through for so many people was it was just the, the quality of love, the quality of discipleship they saw in parents, grandparents, godparents, godly pastors. That's what, you know, slowly, subtly made the faith real to them. That old saying, it takes a, a community to raise a child, that African saying is true for us as a community, isn't it? This community, since Jordan came along here, this church started eight plus years ago, this community, the relationships of this community, the pastors, the people of the faith, that's all part of why, why Jordan is confident about his confirmation today. Last Sunday I was in a church in Merlinston and the lady said to me, every time I come to church I remember my mother. She's probably a woman in her 60s. It was my mother who made the, her living of the faith was what made it real to me. So relationships, subtly, carefully, intentionally, consistently is another way that God is reaching out to us, drawing us into communion with God and deeper communion with one another. And the fourth way that God often reaches out to us can be in the midst of dislocation, difficulty, even disaster. When everything gets turned upside down, suddenly there's an, uh, we're, we're more aware of God reaching out to us. I listen to many of our refugee people. I do work in that space and many times that's the story they tell me. We had a barbecue a couple of Sundays back for recently arrived Christians from Iraq and Syria, people from the Nineveh Plain, people from Mosul, ancient Christian churches, viciously attacked by ISIS. Today is 9-11, 15th anniversary of September 11, and the waves of terrorism that have followed on from then. These people were, had to flee. They left everything. They're now, they say, what? All we had is Jesus. That's all we had. And that's, that's what has our faith in Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is what has sustained us. We have parishes in our community down into the western suburbs which are totally revitalized by the faith of refugee and asylum seeker people, people whose faith is so strong in the context of the banalities of secular humanism in our culture. They are, the, they are the new missionaries in our community. Their faith shines brightly. And they are people whose faith has been made strong through disaster, through dislocations that were completely unimaginable to them but a matter of years before. So God reaches out to us in all these explicit ways, sometimes so in spiritually intensively, like in the story today. Sometimes his word and spirit opening up to us. Sometimes through the quality of relationships in which we're embedded. And sometimes in the midst of dislocations and difficulties. God is always reaching out. Always reaching out. How best do we respond? 
Well, three things, just to finish, that really help us. One is to remember the story of which we are part. That's the great wisdom of reading through the Acts of the Apostles and making the connections to discipleship today. Remembering the story helps us to be true to ourselves. The opposite to remember is dismember, which is to fall apart. If you don't remember your story, you'll fall apart. So we keep remembering the story. We're going to do the remembering of the Last Supper here in a while. And as we remember it, in the grace of the Lord Jesus, there is Holy Communion. The remembering is in the context of the presence of the Lord who says to us, who promises us, when two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst, Jesus in our midst. A second important thing is belonging. We either lift each other up or the story of the church is that saints come in clusters and the world needs more saintly people. The world needs the holy people of God. We need each other. Nobody's got all the gifts. We need to keep encouraging each other, lifting each other up, which you're doing well here under great leadership. And the third thing that matters is to keep praying, as we said at the start of our service. You know, you think about, as I've roughly tried to describe, God's beautiful plan for the whole cosmos and for the whole human family. And you juxtapose that with 9-11 and the things that have followed on from it. And you look out at the world full of tears in a couple of weeks and I really would like you to pray for me in this. I'm going to go to Pakistan. I took services after the massacres in Lahore and in Peshawar in recent years and the people there have asked me to come and be with them and pray with them. I'm going... Thankfully, it's the day after the grand final, which I'd be quite looking forward to, possibly, as a sort of, anyway. (laughs) But they're long-suffering. We prayed about it before in the start of the service. Christian minority. So the world's full of tears. The structures that try to contain the level of violence and cruelty in the world are really struggling the United Nations struggling, policing is struggling. I've seen what, you know, some of the reports about Caroline Springs. Security services are struggling. The world needs a change of heart. The world needs a massive change of heart. Who's going to help it happen? We are the people of God. And it, you know, and it won't happen unless we're, every parish church has to be a powerhouse of prayer to transform hearts, minds, and nations. We have such a high calling, such a deep responsibility. It's wonderful. We're on an adventure. We're on a wonderful adventure from the Acts of the Apostles into today. Hallelujah. The Lord be with you.